Little Pilgrim's Big Journey. Chapter 1. The City of Destruction. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I found a quiet place to sleep. As I slept, I dreamed a dream. In my dream, I saw a boy named Christian, dressed in dirty old clothes. He had a book in his hand and a great burden on his back. He was crying to himself, Oh, what can I do to be saved? At home, Christian told his family, This burden on my back grows bigger every day, and this book says our city will be burned with fire from heaven. If we don't find a way to escape, we'll surely die. But no one believed him. You're sick, they said. You should go straight to bed. But the night was as troublesome to him as the day. Instead of sleeping, Christian lay awake. He cried and sighed about everything he'd read in his book. In the morning, his family woke him and asked, How do you feel? Worse and worse, Christian answered. We live in the city of destruction. We must leave now. Christian read about a celestial city and about a king so kind and full of love that he invited everyone to join him there. The king has invited us all to the celestial city, Christian said. Please come with me. But his family became angry. Stop telling us these fairy tales. They tried to change Christian's mind. They mocked him and bullied him and sometimes ignored him completely. But Christian wouldn't stop believing his book. Christian took his book to the field to read alone. He longed to travel to the celestial city. He thought, but what if I get lost on the way? And how will I travel with this burden? Someone called out, what are you worried about? He was a kind old man named Evangelist. Christian looked up. This book says my city will be destroyed with fire. I'm scared. I'm not ready to die. Evangelist pulled a note from his pocket. It was written by the king himself. Christian opened it and read, Flee from the city of destruction. Come find refuge in my city. I'll keep you safe and secure forever. Christian asked Evangelist, Do you think it's true? Will my city be destroyed? Is the celestial city real? Yes, said Evangelist. Every word is true. The king wrote it all, and the king never lies. Do you want to find the celestial city? Yes, Christian said, more than anything. Evangelist pointed in the distance. Can you see that light? Follow it until you find the narrow gate. When you get there, goodwill will tell you what to do. Christian sprinted toward the light in the distance, right through the middle of town. People who saw him shouted, Where are you going? Come back, Christian! Don't be a fool! Some laughed at him and called him names, and some were sad to see him leave. Christian didn't even look back. He just kept running and shouting, I want life! True life! Eternal life! Two boys from the town, named Obstinate and Pliable, chased after him. Slow down! They yelled, Wait for us! Obstinate, who was a stubborn and strong boy, caught up with Christian. He grabbed Christian by the arm and said, Come back right now! Don't be a fool! Oh, I'm not a fool, said Christian. And I can't come back, because you live in the city of destruction. But I seek an everlasting city. Please, come along with me. No way, said Obstinate. I could never leave behind all my friends and all my stuff. Christian answered, The friends and pleasures you speak of can't compare to the joys I seek. I seek a treasure that can never be lost or stolen or broken. Read about it in my book. But Obstinate refused. Hush, I don't care about your book. Let's go home, Pliable. Christian has lost his mind.
Don't make fun of him, Pliable told Obstinate. If what he says is true, I'd like to go with him. Obstinate laughed. Then you're just as much a fool as Christian. Have fun searching for your imaginary city. He turned and went back. Chapter 2. The Bog of Despond As they kept walking, Christian told Pliable about the celestial city. There'll be no sadness there, no more sickness, and no more pain. The king will wipe all tears from our eyes. Everyone will be happy forever. Please tell me more, Pliable begged. The king of that city is not like ordinary kings, Christian explained. His love for little pilgrims is so great that he's preparing mansions for us. He'll place crowns on our heads and give us shining clothes to wear. Wow, said Pliable, but how do you know this is true? Because the king wrote it in my book, Christian answered. Pliable was amazed. Why would the king give us all that for free? All the king wants, Christian said, is for us to believe him and follow him and love him with our whole hearts. He wants to fill this city with pilgrims from all over the world so they can know his goodness and enjoy him forever. They were so absorbed in their conversation that they slipped and began sinking into a muddy pit called the Bog of Despond. The more they tried to get out, the deeper they sank. Pliable screamed, So this is the happy place you told me about? I don't believe your king is very good at all. You can go to the Celestial City by yourself. Pliable struggled out of the mud and left Christian alone. Christian sank deeper and deeper into the bog because of his burden. Just as Christian's head sank under the mud, a strong hand reached down and pulled him out. My name is Help, the man said. The king sent me here to rescue any pilgrims who fall into this bog. Why hasn't the king filled in the bog with dirt? Christian asked. It can't be filled, said the man. Many have tried to mend it, and though the king put in steps, many pilgrims don't look for them. But have no fear, the king is always with you, and he'll send help when you need it most. Christian continued alone, thinking about his family and everything he left behind. Then he met an older boy named Worldly, who laughed at him. Why are you carrying such a large load on your back? You look ridiculous. Christian said, A kind man named Evangelist told me to follow the light to where the burden can be removed. He said it can be lifted off only there. You've listened to bad advice. Worldly said, Evangelist is always leading people astray. The road he's sending you on is filled with dangers. You'll meet lions, robbers, and dragons. You'll be hungry the whole way, and you'll probably die. Christian sighed. I just want to get rid of this burden. Worldly told him, Then why endure all those dangers? I know where you can easily be freed from your burden. It's a little town called Morality. You can invite your family and live a long and happy life there. Worldly pointed. It's just over that little hill. You'll meet a man named Legality. He'll help you take off that burden. Christian believed Worldly and began in that direction. But the journey was not as pleasant as Worldly promised. As he came closer, the hill grew bigger and bigger. Christian called out, Hello? Legality, are you there? All he heard was a loud boom that thundered above him. The hill grew into a mountain and began toppling over his head. Fire and brimstone flew out of it. Christian was terrified. Just as Christian lost all hope, Evangelist came to rescue him. As they moved away from the mountain, Evangelist asked, How did you stray so far from the path? 
Why did you ignore my instruction? Christian felt so ashamed. Worldly told me that I could remove my burden there, and I believed him. I'm so sorry. Then Evangelist said, There are no shortcuts to the celestial city. There's only one way to remove your burden. Many people may try to lead you astray, but you must stay on the path and enter through the narrow gate. Christian rushed back to the path. He was so relieved when at last he saw the narrow gate. As he came near, he read a sign over the gate that said, Knock, and it shall be opened. Chapter 3 The Interpreter's House Christian knocked and waited, but he heard nothing. He was afraid and worried. The king may not let me in because I strayed from the path, and am so filthy, and my clothes are so ragged. Christian knocked again. He called out, Are you willing to let this poor pilgrim in? At last, Goodwill opened the door. I am willing with all my heart. Just then, several arrows flew through the air. Goodwill grabbed Christian by the shirt and pulled him inside the gate. Goodwill told him about a nearby castle set up by Lord Beelzebub. He hates the king and despises good pilgrims, Goodwill said. He does all he can to stop them from entering the narrow gate. Christian heard a thud as more arrows hit the door where he'd just been standing. Goodwill showed Christian the straight and narrow path. This is the way to the celestial city. It's clear all the way there. Christian saw the path and asked, So I can't get lost? The path is clear all the way, Goodwill replied. But many other paths cross it. They're wide and crooked, but they can lead you the wrong way. The right path is obvious, but it isn't always easiest. Christian asked Goodwill, Where can I be freed from this burden? His shoulders were terribly sore from carrying it so long. Bear your burden a little longer, Goodwill said. You must continue your journey until you come to the place of deliverance. Only there can your burden be removed. But first you must go to the house of the interpreter, Goodwill explained. He'll show you excellent things and help you on your journey. Welcome, little pilgrim, the interpreter said. The king placed me here to prepare you for the many challenges you will face on your journey. They entered a dirty room. Interpreter asked a man to sweep the room, which filled the room with dust. Christian began to cough. Interpreter asked another helper to sprinkle the room with water. This made the dust settle to the floor so it could be easily cleaned. The dust is our sin, Interpreter said, and the sweeping broom is like trying to fix our sin by following all sorts of rules. The sprinkled water is like the king's mercy and grace, which are the only way to remove dirt from our lives. It is not through our efforts that we become clean, but only by trusting in the king to purify us. In the next room, Christian saw two boys named Passion and Patience. They were getting gifts, but were told to wait a year to receive them. Passion couldn't sit still. Give it to me now, he whined. But Patience sat quietly. Passion finally got his gifts, but they were soon broken. Patience waited happily and was given gifts that can never break. Interpreter explained, Passion is like people who want everything now. Patience is like those who trust the king and are willing to wait. Their reward will last forever. Then Christian saw a fire. A wicked man poured water on it, but the fire would not go out. Behind the wall was a kind and gracious man who kept the fire burning with oil. What does this mean? 
Christian asked. The fire, said Interpreter, is like the love pilgrims have for the king. And he said, the man pouring water is like Lord Beelzebub, who always tries to hinder pilgrims. But the man pouring oil is like the king's son, who helps pilgrims on their journey. Interpreter took Christian to one last room, which he opened up to show a castle guarded by soldiers. Some people were afraid to enter, but one man ran forward with all of his might, attacking the guards with his sword. When he reached the palace gates, the angels above called out in their sweet voices, Come in, come in, eternal glory, you shall win. Christian said, I know the meaning of this. Many people want to enter the celestial city, but they fear what it may cost them, so they stay back. Only those who go on in faith and perseverance will arrive. Chapter 4 The Place of Deliverance Christian ran, longing to make it to the place of deliverance. On both sides of the path were great high walls called salvation. His legs were sore, and his body ached under his burden. He was determined to be free from it at last. He ran until he reached a hill where he saw a large wooden cross. His book told him that the king's son had died on this cross so that little pilgrims could be freed from their burdens. Christian's eyes filled with tears. He thought how much it must have hurt the king to send his only son to die, and how much pain the son must have endured while dying. Christian stood in wonder. I lived my whole life in the city of destruction. I continually disobeyed the king. I never once thanked him or showed him any love. I'm a poor little pilgrim in filthy clothes. Why would he do this for me? As he drew nearer to the cross, the straps on his shoulders snapped, and the huge load fell off his back. It rolled down the hill, picking up greater speed until it fell into a large pit, never to be seen again. Christian beamed with joy. He was finally free. His heart was full of love for the king's son. He died so I can live. He was broken so I can be made whole. He endured the worst to give me the best. Christian sang a new song. I came to the cross with the burden of sin, for none could remove all the guilt held within. What a wonderful day I've been covered by grace, for the king sent his son to die in my place. At the cross I am free, here my burdens released, here my shame has been thrown in a bottomless sea. Then three shining ones appeared and said, now you can know true and lasting peace. The first one said, All your sins are washed away. The second removed Christian's filthy old clothes and exchanged them for new clothes, clean and beautiful. The third gave him a scroll with a seal on it and said, Keep this with you on your journey and present it at the celestial city. It's a reminder that you'll always be welcome there and it's proof that you're one of the king's pilgrims. As Christian continued his journey, his steps were lighter and the world around seemed brighter. At the bottom of a hill, Christian saw three sleepy boys with chains on their feet. Their names were Simple, Slothful, and Presumption. He called to them, Wake up! You aren't safe here! The Prince Beelzebub could find you and capture you. Come with me and I'll help you remove your chains. There's no danger here, Simple said. Slothful yawned and said, Let me sleep a little longer. And Presumption said, Every tub must stand on its own bottom. Christian wondered why they didn't want his help. He continued on by himself. As Christian walked along the path, he saw two boys jump over the wall of salvation beside him. One was named Formalist, 
The other was named Hypocrisy. Christian asked them, What are you doing? We came from the land of vain glory, they said. We're seeking the celestial city. Why did you jump over the wall, Christian said, instead of entering by the narrow gate? That gate is too far, said Formalist. This way is easier. Besides, it doesn't matter how you enter the path. All that matters is that we're on it now, just like you are. How do you know the king will let you in? Christian said. His book says we must enter by the narrow gate. Hypocrisy answered. The king won't mind. If we're in, we're in. Besides, people from our city have done this for hundreds of years. It's no problem at all. But where's your scroll? Christian asked. Formalist said, Do you think you're so special because you have a scroll? The king doesn't care about silly things like that. Christian answered, I used to wear rags, and I was doomed for destruction. But the king saved me. He gave me this scroll to remind me that he'll welcome me into his city. Formalist laughed. You can keep your little scroll. I'm not in rags like you were, and I'm not in any danger. The king will let me in when he hears of my good reputation. Yes, indeed, said Hypocrisy. I'm sure the king will be very impressed with us. We're much better off than this poor little pilgrim. Christian saw that the narrow path led up a steep hill. There were two other paths, one on each side of the hill. Both looked much easier and wider than his path. Christian remembered his instructions from Evangelist to always stay on the narrow path. But Formalist and Hypocrisy said to him, That path looks far too difficult. Look, the king has given us better paths to take. Christian warned them, No, can't you see? Those paths lead to danger and destruction. Don't go. But the two boys didn't listen. Formalist took the path to the left and became lost in a dark forest. Hypocrisy took the path to the right. He tripped into a steep valley and couldn't find his way back up. Hi everyone, Christian here. This story is being brought to you by Wholesome Family Reads. Storytime is special to us, and we've loved having you join us. Please don't forget to write, comment, or subscribe to our show. And now, let's get back to the story. Chapter 5. The Palace Beautiful Christian continued up the difficult hill. He knew that the king's way, though hard, was always best. Christian was eager to reach the top, but the higher he climbed, the steeper it became. He soon had to crawl on his hands and knees. He wondered, will I ever make it to the top? Christian was so sore and tired, he worried he might collapse and fall down the hill. To his relief, he came across a shaded seat with a beautiful arbor. The king had made this place to give little pilgrims rest on the difficult hill. Christian lay down and pulled the scroll from his pocket to read the message from the king. He looked at the beautiful clothes the king had given him. He smiled, then drifted into a deep sleep. Christian heard a voice in his dream. Look to the end, you sluggard. Consider his ways to be wise. He'd slept too long. It was nearly dark. He panicked and hurried toward the top of the hill. Two boys named Timorous and Mistrust came running down the hill. Christian asked them, Why are you going this way? The Celestial City is in the other direction. We tried to make it to the Celestial City, they answered, but the farther we go, the more dangers we meet. Lions are on the path, big ferocious lions. We're turning back. As Christian kept going, he wondered, If I go forward, I may be attacked by lions. If I go back to the City of Destruction, I'll certainly die there. What should I do? Christian reached to find the scroll he had been given. 
he couldn't find it. Oh no, where could it be? Will the king let me in without it? Then he remembered the place where he'd slept. Maybe I dropped it there. Oh, I'm such a fool for sleeping so long while there was daylight. Now I may never find my scroll. Christian reached the arbor and searched in the darkness. Then he saw something glimmering in the moonlight. My scroll! Christian rejoiced. He picked it up and clutched it to his chest. But his joy turned to fear as he remembered what the boys had said. Did they really see lions? It's so dark now, and lions will be able to sneak up on me. Christian saw a beautiful palace and walked toward it. He hoped to find a safe place to sleep for the night. But there were the lions, guarding the pathway. He wanted to run, but he was frozen in fear. He heard a voice call out from the palace. Do not lose heart. The lions cannot hurt you. They were placed here to test your faith. If you stay on the narrow path, they'll never reach you. Christian continued with small steps. He was trembling. The lions roared and growled as he passed, but now he saw that they were chained. At the gate, he was greeted by Watchful. Christian asked, Sir, what house is this? May I stay here for the night? This is the Palace Beautiful, Watchful answered. It was built by the king to help pilgrims on their journey. Christian was delighted. I knew the king wouldn't leave me on my own. He has helped me all along the way. Inside, Christian met discretion, prudence, piety, and charity. He told them all about his journey so far. Prudence asked him, After so much trouble, why do you still want to go to the celestial city? Because I want to meet the king, said Christian, and I want to see his son who loved me so much that he died for me. His book tells me there's no more death in that city, and no more crying or pain or sin or corruption. Charity asked Christian, Where's your family? Did they not come? Oh, how badly I wanted them to come, Christian answered. I tried to convince them, but they didn't believe my book. Christian was tired and hungry, so the four women brought out a wonderful meal for him. During the meal, they talked about the king. They told Christian how the king's son left the celestial city to seek poor pilgrims. He even became a pilgrim himself and walked the king's path without ever turning away to the wide and crooked paths. They told him of the great battle with Beelzebub and how the king's son died to defeat him but rose again victorious. All this made Christian love the king even more. As Christian thought about the king's son, his heart was full of joy. He slept soundly that night. When he woke, the women showed him the armory. It was filled with weapons from the king for pilgrims to use in fighting any enemies along the path. Christian looked at swords, shields, helmets, and breastplates. He wondered whether someday he might need to wear this armor. Chapter 6 The Valley of Humiliation Christian saw many treasures within the palace, and out his window he could see Emmanuel's land. Christian wished to stay with his new friends, but he knew he must continue to the king's city. As Christian set out, the women gave him a full set of armor for facing any enemies on the path. They encouraged him on his way. So Christian descended into the Valley of Humiliation. Dark clouds filled the sky, and he saw a foul fiend flying over the field to meet him. He knew that it must be Apollyon. Christian was terrified. He wondered if he should turn back and run, but he had no armor protecting his back, and Apollyon could easily attack him there. Christian had never seen anything so monstrous. 
Apollyon had thick scales and wings like a dragon and huge, sharp teeth. He was full of fire and smoke. Apollyon glared at Christian. Where do you think you're going? To the Celestial City, Christian said bravely. I've come from the City of Destruction. Well, I am the Lord of the City of Destruction, said Apollyon. You must return to serve me again. I will never go back, Christian replied. I serve the true king now, and I follow his path. Apollyon laughed. But you don't really serve the king. You disobeyed him many times. First you fell into the bog of despair. Then you strayed from the path. You were lazy and slept too long, and almost turned back when you saw the lions. You don't seem to love the king at all. All that is true, said Christian, and much more that you left out. But the prince whom I serve is merciful and ready to forgive all who turn to him. Apollyon broke out in a rage. I'm an enemy to that prince. I hate him. I hate his laws, and I hate his people. I'll never let you pass here alive. Christian held up his sword and shield. My king has given me everything I need to defeat you. Apollyon blasted fire upon Christian, but Christian held up his shield and fought valiantly. They fought for hours, and Christian grew weary. Apollyon knocked him to the ground, and the sword fell from his hand. I'll finish this fight now, Apollyon said. Apollyon raised himself over Christian to strike one last deadly blow. Christian picked up his sword and lifted it with all his strength. He said, Rejoice not against me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. He thrust his sword into Apollyon's chest. Apollyon was wounded. Then Christian struck him again. Yes, said Christian. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. At this last blow, Apollyon let out a terrible roar. Stretching out his wings, he flew away. The battle was finished, and Christian said, I will give thanks to the king who delivered me from Apollyon's attacks. Christian heard a voice from above. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. A peace came over Christian, and though Apollyon had wounded him, he felt strengthened again for his journey. Christian continued through the valley with his sword drawn, wondering if another enemy might be waiting for him. Suddenly, two boys ran toward him, shouting, Back! Go back! Turn around! Christian was startled and said, Where are you running from? From the valley of the shadow of death, they answered. It's pitch black and full of howling and yelling, the most dreadful place we've ever seen. But Christian looked ahead. This is the way to my desired haven, he said. I must pass through it to reach the celestial city. I will continue onward and trust the king to guide me. Christian's pathway became more and more narrow, with a deadly drop on each side. The valley was so dark that sometimes Christian couldn't see where he was stepping. He feared he would slip and fall to his death. He sighed and groaned as he went on. Would he ever see the light of day again? At times he thought he saw the shadow of some evil creature. He thought he heard lies being whispered in his ears. You're all alone. The king has forgotten you. You'll never make it to the celestial city. Then Christian heard terrible sounds arising from the pit. 
he saw huge flames and plumes of smoke spewing out of it. Christian cried out, O Lord, deliver my soul from this distress. He thought to turn back, but he remembered how he'd already overcome so many dangers. He pressed forward, trembling with each step. Now when he became afraid, he remembered to shout, I will walk in the strength of the Lord God. And he heard what sounded like another boy's voice. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This gave him courage to press on through the dark valley. Chapter 7 Vanity Fair When Christian came into the light, he rejoiced. He'd made it through the dark valley, even though it was full of traps set by the evil lord Beelzebub. He saw another little pilgrim running ahead. Christian recognized him. This was Faithful, his neighbor from the city of destruction. Christian called out, Faithful, wait for me, I'll join you. Faithful shouted back, I can't stop, I must continue to the celestial city. Christian ran as fast as he could to catch up. When he reached Faithful, he ran past him and said, Aha, now I'll get there first. But Christian wasn't looking at the path ahead of him. He tripped over a little rock and crashed to the ground. With his heavy armor, he couldn't lift himself up. But when Faithful caught up, he reached out his hand and helped Christian to his feet. Finally, said Christian, a companion for my travels. I didn't know that you too set out for the Celestial City. Yes, said Faithful. After you left, everyone was talking about your book in the Celestial City. And after a while, they started to mock you. But I believed your book, so I set out to follow you. As they walked, Faithful spoke about those who tried to stop him along the way. There was one named Shame, who I met in the Valley of Humiliation. Shame told me that those who listen to the king are fools and will be looked down upon by others in this world. But I soon stood against him and finally resolved that what the king says is always best, even if everyone in the world is against it. Christian's heart was uplifted by Faithful, and they continued in sweet conversation. Their conversation was interrupted by a boy named Talkative, who joined them and said, Hello there, you're pilgrims, I see. Let's journey together and talk along the way. There are so many things to talk about. Big things or little things, I could talk about them all. Faithful interrupted him. Our desire is not just to talk, but to follow the king's path and reach the celestial city. Ah, yes, Talkative said. I can tell you all about that city. I have many theories about it. We can talk about that if you wish. Christian said, the king wants us to follow him and obey him, and not just talk. We must love others in deed and truth, not just in word and speech. I see, said Talkative. You pilgrims are strange. I'll wait for others who like my company, so I can have pleasant conversation along this path. I'm in no hurry. Faithful looked ahead. Look, he said, it's Evangelist. Evangelist greeted them. Peace be with you, beloved pilgrims. How has your journey been? Christian answered, The king has delivered us from every snare that was set on our path. I rejoice in your victories, said Evangelist. But I came here to warn you. You must pass through an evil town called Vanity Fair. It was built by enemies of the king to distract pilgrims on their journey. Evangelist warned them, You'll be tempted there by vanities and riches of the world, but you must keep your eyes fixed on the celestial city. At first Christian and Faithful thought Vanity Fair looked fun. It looked beautiful on the outside, but they quickly learned it was evil on the inside. Merchants soon surrounded them and tried to sell them trinkets and vanities. 
Here we have everything pleasant to eat or wear or see, they said. Forget your difficult journey and stay here where you can enjoy all the delights of the world. But Faithful stopped them and said, Turn my eyes away from all this vanity. But you must want to buy something, the merchant said. You sell only lies, said Faithful. What you sell here will burn away like chaff. We seek everlasting treasure. We buy the truth. This set the whole town in an uproar. The boys were thrown in jail. People made a spectacle of them. Children laughed and threw rocks and rotten fruit at them. But Christian and Faithful were kind to the children and said to them, You don't need to stay here. The king will welcome you to the celestial city. The boys were put on trial. Their judge, Lord Hategood, said to them, The witnesses are here have told me you caused a great uproar in our town, and you don't obey the laws of our great prince Beelzebub. Is that true? We've caused no uproar, Faithful answered. We followed only what is good and right and true. I defy the laws of your town and your wicked prince. My loyalty is to the true king and his ways. The judge slammed his gavel. Death! Death! I sentence them both to death! Back in jail, Christian and Faithful encouraged each other with promises from the king. Guards came and took Faithful away in chains. Christian called out, Faithful, don't be afraid. They can destroy our bodies, but not our souls. I'll see you in the celestial city. A boy named Hopeful had been watching them. When the guards weren't looking, he took their keys. He freed Christian from the jail. Let's go, he said. Quick, before they come back. As they left Vanity Fair, Christian looked up, and there was Faithful. The king had sent a chariot to take him to the celestial city. I'll miss you, faithful friend, Christian cried out. Hopeful comforted Christian. Faithful's bribery inspired me to leave Vanity Fair. I hope I can be a friend like he was. Chapter 8. Doubting Castle The two little pilgrims traveled a little while. They were met by four children from the town of Lovegain. These four said, Let us join you on your journey. Please, come along, Hopeful said. But it's not an easy path, Christian told them. What could be so difficult about it? One boy asked. Christian said, You must follow the king in sunshine and rain, in riches and poverty, in good times and hard times. You're sadly mistaken, said the boys from Lovegain. Surely the king would give all his blessings to pilgrims who walk on his path. We travel only in fair weather. If you wish to suffer needlessly, then we will not join you. The little pilgrims left the other boys behind. They came to a hill called Lucre. At the top there was a silver mine, and a man named Demas called out to them, Hey ho, come behold, riches and treasures, riches untold. Come to my silver mine, and you shall find a happy fortune in little time. Let's go see, Hopeful said. No way, said Christian. This place is a trap and a snare. It has hindered many pilgrims because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Demas called out again. Come and see, it's safe and free. You're a liar, Demas, Christian said. Many have died here. When we meet the king, we'll tell him of your deceit. When the four boys from Lovegain came, they believed Demas. They went to the silver mine, and as they looked into it, they slipped and crashed to the bottom. As they walked on, their path led them beside a pleasant river. It was called the River of the Water of Life. 
The two pilgrims walked here with delight. They drank cool, clear water and ate all kinds of fruit. They rested from their journey and their souls were refreshed. The king's path is often difficult, Christian said, but it's full of joys that many can never taste. Yes, said Hopeful, these delights are far greater than Damas's silver or the treasures of Vanity Fair. The narrow path soon became rough and rocky. The boys longed to return to the delightful path by the river. Their feet were sore from their big journey, and they became tired and discouraged. Later, they saw a smooth meadow of grass. To get to it, Christian jumped over a fence. Let's go this way, he said. But what if it's the wrong way, Hopeful said. It won't be, said Christian. I can see ahead. It follows the path. As it became dark, Christian and Hopeful were lost. I shouldn't have listened to you, said Hopeful. We should have stayed on the king's path. Forgive me, Christian said. I was wrong to leave the path again, and I should know better by now. Let's turn around and go back. But a heavy rain flooded their path. They couldn't find their way back. They decided to sleep there for the night, shivering in the cold rain. They didn't know they'd fallen asleep near Doubting Castle. They woke to the sound of a loud, rough voice. What are you doing on my land? Christian was terrified. We're pilgrims. We're lost and we didn't know any better. That's no excuse for trampling my grass, said Giant Despair. He picked them up and dragged them into his castle. Giant Despair threw them into a dark and dirty dungeon. They lay there for days without a crumb of bread or a drop of water. They were far from family and friends or anyone to help them. Worse still, the giant beat them. He yelled at them. You'll never get out of here. You'll die here in this prison. So give up hope. There's no way out. I give up, Christian said. But Hopeful encouraged him. Be patient, brother. We must wait and hope. Maybe someday he'll forget to lock us in. It was more than Christian could bear. This is all my fault, he cried. I led us away from the path. I failed so many times. I don't deserve to be a pilgrim. I don't deserve to enter the celestial city. The king will never let me in now. But Hopeful said, The king is merciful. He'll never abandon you. We'll soon see the celestial city. Remember how brave you've been so far? Apollyon couldn't crush you. The valley of the shadow of death didn't turn you away. With the king's help, you've overcome many difficulties, and you'll overcome this one as well. Early the next morning, Christian woke and said, What a fool I've been! How could I have forgotten? The king left a key called Promise hidden here in my pocket. I'm certain it will open any lock in Downing Castle. Christian tried the key in their door, and it worked. Together they pushed it open. But then, as they opened the gate leading out of the castle, it made a loud creaking sound, which woke up giant despair. The giant chased after them, but just as he reached to grab them, the sun pierced through the clouds and blinded him. He fell to the ground with a huge crash. The boys ran until they reached the king's path again. They put a sign there to warn other pilgrims about the castle of despair. They jumped back over the fence, thanking the king for delivering them once again. They continued on the narrow path. Chapter 9. The Delectable Mountains The little pilgrims reached the Delectable Mountains. 
they saw four shepherds looking after their sheep. Hopeful asked them, Whose mountains are these? They belong to the king, the shepherds replied. This is Emmanuel's land. Christian asked, Are we close to the celestial city? Is the way safe from here? It's safe for all who know and love the king, said the shepherds. The king leads and protects his pilgrims all the way to the celestial city, just as we lead and protect these sheep, besides still waters and fields of green grass. The shepherds took Hopeful and Christian to the top of a high hill called Clear. They asked, Would you like to see the gates of the celestial city? Please, said the boys. The shepherds gave them a telescope to look through. What they saw of the city was so beautiful and glorious that everything else seemed dim and dull in comparison. As the boys left, the shepherds gave them instructions. Beware of the flatterer who will disguise himself and lead you astray, and beware of the enchanted ground where you'll be tempted to fall asleep. May the king guide and protect you in all things. The path soon split in two directions. Which one should they take? Then they saw a man in a white robe who said, You look like two smart little pilgrims. You must have come so far on your journey. Yes, Hopeful said. Our path has been long and difficult, and many have turned away. And I had to fight with Apollyon, Christian added. Apollyon, you must be very brave, said the man. Come with me. I'm traveling to the celestial city as well. They followed the man, but they didn't notice the net lying along the path. The net entangled them, and they couldn't get out. Then the man's white robe slipped off his back, revealing his black clothes. Flatterer, the pilgrims shouted. The shepherds warned us about you. The flatterer only laughed and walked away. But the king sent a shining one who tore the net open to set the boys free. Back on the king's path, they passed an older man named Atheist. They asked, have you seen the celestial city? Atheist laughed. Oh, you know so little. The celestial city doesn't exist. What do you mean? said Christian. Atheist answered, I've been seeking this city for 20 years. It's nowhere to be found. But Hopeful said to Christian, We've seen the city. We must continue in faith. The king would never lie to us. Christian agreed, Yes, this man is blind to the truth. That's why he can't see the city. The two boys came to a place where the air made them drowsy. Let's take a nap, Hopeful said. I can barely keep my eyes open. Stay awake, Christian said. The shepherds warned us about the enchanted ground. If we sleep here, we may never wake up. Let's talk about our journey. That will help to keep us awake. You're right, Hopeful said. I almost forgot about their warning. It's true. Two are better than one. I'm thankful to have you with me. This path would be dangerous to travel alone. Further on, they saw a man walking behind them. Hopeful asked him, Why are you walking alone? Come join us. The man's name was Ignorance. I like to walk by myself, he said, while I think about entering the Celestial City. You know, my heart tells me the Celestial City is so real, and I believe my heart. And why do you think the king will let you in? Christian asked. Because I have a good heart said Ignorance, and I've lived a good life. But that's not what the king has written in his book, Christian said. The only way into the city is by believing in the king's son and his forgiveness. Our hearts are not good, and we're often led astray. Only by the king's mercy can we enter the city. 
No, said Ignorance. I'm not led astray. I'll continue on my own. My heart will guide me. So he left them. Then Christian and Hopeful entered the country of Beulah. The air here was sweet and pleasant, and they heard birds singing. The glow of the celestial city was like golden sunlight on the horizon. They knew they were far beyond all dark places on their journey, for here the city gave light to everything all around. Chapter 10 The Celestial City At last the pilgrims came within clear sight of the celestial city. It was more beautiful than they had ever imagined. It shimmered as if the buildings were made of pearls. The streets and stairways appeared to be made of pure gold. This sight filled them with such longing to be there. They ran along the path with hearts full of hope. But their path led them to the dark river called Death. They looked for another way across, but there was none. Look how deep the waters are, Christian said. I don't know if we'll make it. But there's no other way into the city, Hopeful said. We must go in. The king has never failed us. We must trust him again, as always. As they entered the water, Christian began to sink. He cried out to Hopeful, All the waves are crashing over me. I can't keep my head above water. Hopeful held on to Christian. I feel the bottom, he said, and it's good and solid. Let's press on. I'm going to die, said Christian. I'll never reach the city. He was so afraid, and he couldn't see the city's light. Hopeful tugged Christian's head above the water. I see the gate, Hopeful said. Angels are there to receive us. Christian gasped and said to Hopeful, They're waiting just for you. The king has left me here to drown. I've been such a faithless pilgrim. Then Christian remembered the king's promise. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they will not overcome you. Christian's strength returned. Yes, brother, I feel the ground. You're right, it is solid. And look, the celestial city. They saw two shining ones calling them to the city's gate. The Shining One said to them, You're going to paradise of God, where you shall eat from the tree of life. You'll walk and talk with the king forever and ever. There will be no more sorrows, sickness, suffering, or death, because the former things have passed away. The king will give you comfort for all your toil, and joy for all your sorrow. You've walked in faith, and now you'll see all that you've desired." The pilgrims were full of such joy. They quickly ran up the stairs. They no longer felt tired, though their journey had been so long. Soon they were high above the clouds. And now, all the difficulties they'd faced in their journey seemed so small. I read about this in my book, Christian said. Now at last I see it. The king promised that one day here was far better than a lifetime anywhere else in the world. Christian and Hopeful entered the city's gate. Thousands of people came out to greet them, all singing, smiling, and dancing. The boys heard the sweetest songs. They felt that heaven had come down to meet them. We made it, they said. We're here. The Shining Ones called out. These pilgrims came from the city of destruction because of their love for the king. Welcome in, welcome in, eternal glory you have won. The little pilgrims passed their scrolls to the angels and entered the gates with gladness. The king also came out to welcome the two little pilgrims. With his arms open wide, he said to them, Well done, my faithful pilgrims. Your journey was long, but you've arrived at last. We've been waiting for you, and I've prepared a place here for you 
Enter into the joy of my city. The pilgrims jumped into the king's arms. At last they knew they were home. <laughs>